Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! Welcome back to a new episode of Believe in South Carolina. The trio is back together after not being together last week. Marcus Lattimore is joining us and Nick Klaus. Nick, good to have you on here. I know the... the it wasn't the same without you, Nick. The final days, the tick, 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 it's, it's coming down. You're going to be graduated from the University of South Carolina. We're going to have to get into that at some point because I yeah. am sure a lot of Gamecocks that are listening that graduated from USC... They can give you advice after advice after advice on, you know, what to do, what those feelings are like, some of the memories, maybe that final week, that last hurrah with your fellow classmates, those seniors, maybe some of the stuff that you're not going to tell your kids about years from now or your wife. But uh, we'll, we'll do that another day because today we have to dig in to what was an eventful weekend in the NFL for Gamecocks. It started off a little slow, but for the fourth straight year, at least three Gamecocks were drafted. Those players being, and it took until day three, J.J. Anambare, Kevin Harris, and then Nick Muse. And then we also had some guys that have signed as undrafted free agents. As of this taping right now, I know of at least one more player that uh, is in the mix to at least be signing with the team. But out of respect to him, we'll wait. And plus, by the time this episode drops on Monday, I could say that and watch him sign with a different team because he's just kind of playing the numbers game right now. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but let's let's start with uh, J- let's start off with JJ. JJ Inambare, first Gamecock drafted this year. He waited a little bit longer than I think some people expected him to go. Um, if you go back to last fall, guys, he was a guy that in some mock drafts was projected to go in the first round, but he fell. Uh, Marcus, I know you had an opportunity to get to know JJ during your time at USC. What can you tell us just about J.J. that maybe we don't know about and, and kind of just your thoughts on him going to the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, well, congrats to him. I mean, he, he's deserving of it. I, I know that's for sure. The first thing that comes to mind when I hear that name is growth. Um, he came in, highly touted recruit, uh, came from a good school in Atlanta and was, was used – I assume used to being the guy. I mean, he he was the guy on his high school team, and he had a lot of choices when he came out. And he chose South Carolina, but he had to wait a little bit longer than he expected, really. Uh, But, I mean, when you got Mike Peterson as your position coach, I mean, I think you can – I think you can listen to him, a guy who played uh, – who's done it for a very long time in the NFL. So, I mean – I think oh, I just think that was such a great match, him and Mike P, uh, because they, they, you, you could you could see their relationship uh, grow and nurture over the years, uh, the trust that he gained in him, and really accepting the process and, and knowing that once your time comes, it's gonna come. And I mean, we kind of see the impact that he made on the field with Gamecock football, and. I mean, the 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 guy he he's a special dude. Uh, what what people what people would probably be surprised about. I mean, is how fast he's going to pick the play up playbook up because he's so smart. I, he went to a, a private school in Atlanta that's 
very high in academics. Um, and, you know what I mean, so he came in very cerebral, ahead of a lot of people ma- from a maturity standpoint, um, confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, it, he gained a lot of weight. Uh, that uh, as the years went on and it was muscle, it was, it was all good weight. Uh, but I mean, just a smart dude who is confident and committed to the grind. And, and really that's, what's going to put him on the field. And the fact that he's smart, like he is the, the, the scheme is not going to be an issue for him picking up anything. And I mean, just happy that he was a Gamecock and excited to see him in, in that in that uh green and yellow so it'd be fun and you brought something up that was interesting marcus you mentioned that he put the weight on i think that's something that's going to help him at the next level because it allows him to be more versatile if he needs to if teams want him to he can play defensive tackle they'll say hey put some more weight on because he's played at a higher weight before so you know a later pick than maybe some gamecock fans expected um he was projected to go anywhere between the third and fifth round he got picked up in the fifth round that was the latest mock draft right before the, the NFL draft this weekend. So he, he, he fit he fit there. He still went in there. Um, but a, definitely a guy. I mean, Nick, you've seen over the last couple of years, especially during your tenure. I mean, you can go back during Marcus's years and shooting all the way back to, to the John Abraham days. South Carolina has produced a lot of talented defensive linemen over the years. I mean, yeah, you. what I really thought about is because you said earlier on he was projected first round. I mean, if you're not – a football fan like you're a Gamecock fan but you're not the fan looking at the mock draft up mm-hmm. until the day before you're pretty shocked about where he went like you're not expecting him to go that late the Gamecocks had a lot longer to wait for a player to get drafted than expected because you kind of thought of like oh he's going to be like that Javon Kinlaw yeah our team wasn't that great but we have this player who mm-hmm. is going to be very good in the NFL and um, I mean I think Marcus is definitely right you can look at it as like, oh, he went late in the draft, but also, I mean, the Green Bay Packers got a good one. I mean, they got someone, they got him in the fifth round, but he's going to be, I think, a very good NFL player, and I'm excited to see what he does there. And he's just adding, like you said, to that long line of great defensive linemen that South Carolina's seen. And, um, you know, I also want to give him a lot of credit. This seven and six season with Beamer in his first year, I mean – this is this was a huge turnaround year for South Carolina, and he was a huge part of it. And South Carolina fans cannot thank him enough for what he did for this university in his time. And Marcus mentioned it on the last episode. I mean, I can't even imagine going into a draft like Marcus did, not knowing if you're going to get drafted in the first round, if you're going to go as an undrafted free agent. I mean, you want to talk about range. Good Lord. So for JJ, yeah, he, he knew going into to, into this weekend that he was projected to be at least a day two, day three guy. But, Marcus, you go day two, your phone doesn't ring. And I don't know if you had an opportunity to see the video. Just the relief on his face yeah. getting that phone call. So we kind of talked about it last week with you when you finally got your phone call from the 49ers. And I say phone call, maybe that's not the best way to describe it because you're getting phone calls and texts all day from your agent, from other teams during this entire process. But to get the call, what do you, can you kind of share what he was probably going through? I mean, we kind of have an idea. Yeah. You've gone through it yourself. I mean, you were ready to be, ah, oh, screw it, man. I haven't even watching day three. Oh, my goodness. 
Okay, you got people. I, I can, you probably had people over. On oh day my, two, yes. And then they come back for day three. I mean, I yeah. can't even imagine what that's like. And you know, every every pick that goes by, it's like time is. It, the thing about it is, time is going so slow. That's the thing that gets you. You you just in this waiting game. It's like waiting, fully present. Like you're you're like you you're not in your head. Now you're not on your you're fully present in the moment waiting as the minutes go by and you know that's you, you know time kind of like time kind of like vanishes when you're in the present moment Could, because you, you're just so locked into you know seeing what's happening and what's about to happen with the next year of my life you know so i mean it's it's nerve-wracking it's, it's anxiety you mentioned that video. I think our experiences was a, were a little bit different because, I mean, shoot, I didn't, I wasn't, I don't know what I, I didn't, I had, uh, I knew, okay, first round to undrafted. Yeah, big range. But at the end of the day, I was just, I was just excited to, to be drafted. I mean, hell, I had uh, ACL, MCL tear on my left knee. I just dislocated my right knee and tore every ligament in my calf muscle and hamstring. I'm just like, if a team picks me up, shit, I'm grateful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, I mean, just because of that simple fact. But I, in JJ, in, in, in JJ's video, you could just see on his face. Yeah, I saw relief, but I also saw a little, oh, these teams are going to pay that mm. passed on me. Like, yeah, I saw some pissed off on his face and using like he's the type of guy because he's so smart he's gonna use like he's he's gonna use that in a constructive way it's not gonna be you know of course he's grateful for the opportunity and i mean you get drafted in the fifth round that's a nice that's a nice signing bonus i mean so, so i mean he's you know he's fine but with him being healthy and a and one of the best players in the SEC, and you know they're probably considering that forty time, whatever. I mean, I mean, he doesn't play at a four four nine five mm -hmm. flat, whatever he ran. I think it was in the mid four nines. Uh, they probably considered that, and um, you know, and, and you know that that the the combine. I mean, it's it's an important part of the process, but you turn turn the game film on. You know, it's just really that simple. But I saw some Mike. I got to be honest with you. I saw him a little pissed off. I think I, I think that he was like kind of like Israel Mukuamu last year. Like he was he was grateful. Don't get me wrong. There was there was tears that came and there was celebration. But Israel was pissed off. Uh, JJ, I saw. I think he was a little pissed off, and mm -hmm. that's okay. It's okay to be pissed off because you know. As these guys pass the board, I'm better than him. I'm better than him. I'm better. I mean, that, that's what's go. I mean, really, that's what's going through your mind. But just as a competitor, so, uh, yeah, he's gonna light. He's gonna light some shit up. And you brought up the point of the combine numbers, and I think that really played a big part of where he went, and. You know, that doesn't that probably doesn't sit well with him. That doesn't sit well with me as a fan. I mean, because you're right, turn the game tape on. Show see what he's done in game, see how he can play. Like, yeah, he had a slower 40, but I mean, 
turn on the game film and watch him get to the quarterback and watch watch how he disrupts mm-hmm. on another team when they're on offense and like take that into consideration. So I think I agree the combine is a huge part of it. And Marcus, you've you've been through the whole process and everything. So you definitely understand that better than most. But I agree. I mean, I think that was a big part of where he went. But I mean, you gotta look at how the kid played, especially this past year. I mean, towards the end, maybe dropped off a tiny bit, but still, I mean, he's a he's a phenomenal player. And um, yeah, I just noticed that the combine numbers were a big part of it. But you gotta see how he plays in game. And I always think it's funny when you look at some of these notes. And don't get me wrong, right? There, there's a lot of talented NFL scouts out there. I mean, their job is to pay attention to college kids. Shoot. 365 days, you know, I mean, that's their job. And there's a lot of talented ones out there, but I do see some of these comments and I I can't help but think, man, if I was in the shoes of one of these athletes, what I'd be thinking about it. Right. So like for JJ, for example, this is some of the red flags, Uh, lack of explosiveness off the line Mm. and then tight hips. Okay. Now we're about to talk about running backs. I'm going to read this. I just want to see who you guys think it is. Uh, weaknesses. And that's how they call it. Weaknesses. I say red flags, but, you know, they have it as weaknesses. Uh, <clears throat> before his injury, struggled to get into a second or third gear in order to break off longer gains. Uh, with back-to-back uh, knee injuries, durability is a major red flag. There are also questions on how his medicals will check out and how much we will be a- he'll be able to contribute his rookie season. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about there? I think I have an idea. Oh, man. That second, was, to get yeah. into that second and third gear. Yeah, I know you, the, injury, you, you, the injury stuff, you get it. You'll be like, all right, I can see that. I, but I, I, I get I, that. So the, point, the point being, Marcus, right? And if you don't know by now, that is Marcus Lattimore's report um, from NFL.com from the, the draft. So I, I read that, Marcus, because as a player, right, and obviously your your situation was a little bit different. I mean, the injuries, you can't really hide from that, right? I won't even say hide, but I mean that's the the there's no skeletons, right? I mean, that's out there. That's what it when is. you see some of that stuff though, you know, as a player, you could say all you want, oh yeah, I don't see that. You guys see that, you guys hear that, right? I mean, your buddies, your family that has to get back to you. your agent must be talking to you. So when you see that stuff and JJ is reading some of this stuff. Right, whether it be the red flags that I mentioned, the tight hips, the lack of explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, or the pro day numbers, the 40 wasn't as strong, right? And people are talking about that. As a player, how do you process that where you don't let it consume you, but at the same time, too, you want to be able to find ways to make some of those weaknesses into strengths? Mm, Yeah. I could tell you when you were reading, when you said second and third gear, that. I mean, that's something that I agree with. When they wrote that synopsis, that's something that I agree with. And it's something I agree with my whole career, which is why I, which is why I ran the way I ran, I believe, because it was, I never thought I was there, you know? So, I mean, take it, consume it, consume it, take it for what it is. And I mean, really all you could like, Never take criticism. I heard this quote. Never take criticism uh, from someone you 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 don't respect. You know, like I mean, it, it, 
if it if it's someone you respect, if it's someone like you, if if it's a coach telling you this, like if if it's a, a scout that you know has a good eye that you respect, I mean, hell, I mean, he's right. I mean, maybe he's right. Maybe JJ does have tight hips, but that doesn't mean that he's a. That, that that doesn't mean anything. That, that doesn't, doesn't mean define him. That doesn't define right. him as a person. I mean, but that like at the end of the day, it's if if that's what's showing up on film. I mean that that's what it is, you know. But that, there's nothing that you can really, uh, you, you you can't run from criticism. You can't run from what people are gonna say about you. All you could do is is. Again, it really just goes back to controlling what you can control. And I mean, J yeah, J JJ hears all of this. But at the end of the day, uh, again, at the end of the day, what Nick just said, I mean, it's the film. Like, it, it really is. It, it doesn't it doesn't. The, the, the film says all oh, it can. It does not lie. The, the eye in the sky does not lie. That's what that's what the coaches always say. And I mean, if there is a weakness, the Green Bay Pack, the Green Bay Packers know that. I mean, that's not it's not like that's something that can't be corrected or or uh yeah, it just is what it is. I mean, you hear it. It but the the moment you start to let it uh just like control you, like so, like if you if you're reading into it on a daily basis, I mean it'll it it, it will paralyze you, and you'll start mm -hmm. to be, like you'll start to believe that that's like I'm not a good player. When yeah. at the end of the day, you 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 know what you're capable of. Like it, it's it's one thing to see it; it's another thing to read into it, like to feed into it and scroll and type your name in on Twitter or type your name in on Google. If you're doing that. Man, you're gonna have a lot of self-esteem issues, which is gonna affect you on the field. Self-esteem and self-worth. So, yeah, uh, you see it. The, your agent gonna tell you that. Your coaches are gonna tell you that. Critics are gonna tell you that. But what can you do? I mean, people are gonna talk for the rest of your life, whether you're on the field or off. Well, yeah, and, and Nick, I want to I want to go to the next guy because I know we're up against the time with Marcus today. He's got to go to the dentist, man. He's got to make those <laughs> things look shiny. And like oh it. man, everyone loves the dentist. Shout all out right. to all our dentists out there. Actually, you know, yeah, man, dentists. Tell you what, they get paid a lot of money to to put us in, through a lot of pain. Man, make I'm really, that place is a torture chamber. <laughs> That's all it is. Like a DMV, man. Um, Nick. We didn't have to wait too long for the second Gamecock to be drafted. We had to wait 179 picks to finally hear J.J. drafted to get the Gamecocks on the board. But pick 183, the New England Patriots pick up Kevin Harris. Now, this is what I shared on Gamecock Central. Mm. This is why I love this pick. Harris fits exactly what the Patriot way is all about in three ways. And this is actually one of the ways, the first one I'm going to share I didn't even put this down on Gamecock Central. One, he's like the quintessential Patriot because he's not going to say much. He's just going to put his head down. He's just going to work. Number two, he is used to now playing in a running back by committee because of coming back from that back injury after dominating in 2020, leading the SEC in rushing yards. Comes back, a little bit of a slow start, but I think the reason why was he was trying to 
get back to being healthy. But number two, he's in a talented running back room. He needs to find ways to be able to break through, and he was able to do that to the point where he was able to rush for a season-high 182 yards on 31 carries and a touchdown the Dukes Mayo Bowl. But what really stands out to me, and I guess you could say this about a lot of coaches, but I know this with Bill Belichick, Bill loves a guy that can protect the football. One of my favorite stats about Harris, in 358 carries at USC, he only fumbled the ball once. Wow. What'd you think, Nick? Solid pick there? I mean, I think it's definitely a solid pick. Um, I mean, we've watched Kevin Harris, I mean, 2020, his incredible season. But, I mean, that Duke's Mayo Bowl, I remember saying to my friends, I mean, this is his audition. Like, that was his audition to the NFL. We knew and, that was going to be it. We knew that yeah, was going to be the last Yeah, game. you knew he was going to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, whether whether he had an amazing game or not, he was he was gone after that. But, I mean, he made a most – he made the most out of that opportunity, having the great game he did. And he really – it was kind of – it was vintage Kevin Harris. I mean, vintage in the year before. But, I mean, we saw who – the guy we saw all of 2020 that we wanted to see all year. Obviously, he was getting back from injuries and then also splitting with White and Lloyd. I mean, it was hard for him to kind of get into a rhythm. And we talked about this earlier on in the podcast with Marcus about what that's like and, you know, having to be a running back by committee, those types of things. But I think it's a great pick. Mike, I was very happy that you went into a little bit with the Patriots pick and what you thought of it. Because, I mean, I agree with everything you said. He's a perfect Patriots running back. He's not, you know, too loud. He's going to be quiet and work as hard as he possibly can. And, I think it's a great pick and, you know, I'm excited to see what he does in the NFL because we saw what he was able to do in the SEC, which is one of the best, if not the best football conference in college football. And before Kevin got drafted, he had to come into his own. And Marcus knows that firsthand, being able to work with him, seeing him come in as a young pup running back before he led the SEC in rushing yards in 2020, before Kevin Harris became just one of three Gamecocks, along with George Rogers and Marcus Lattimore, to rush for multiple 200-yard games in a season. I don't even know if you knew that. So a very elite class when you talk about that. Marcus, he came a long way, and you had an opportunity to be able to see that when he arrived at USC. Yeah, I thought he was going to break my touchdown record. I, 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 I knew that. I knew that was happening. But you the banner was coming down. I, I, I knew that was. I you knew that was, was up next. Down. The banner was going to come God down at, at Williams Bryce. No doubt. But, I mean, Nike, I've never asked you this, it, and I hope it's okay. Are you a Patriots fan? I mean, yeah, I, I was yeah. – I was okay. I was – was... But here's, here's the thing. Okay. I always – and I tell people this. When you cover sports – now, not, I, I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm just speaking for myself. You kind of lose your sense of innocence. Um, if you are driving in the car right now with your little ones in the back, this is the part where you want to put the volume down because uh, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But it's like finding out that Santa Claus isn't real, right? You know, you kind of lose that sense of innocence. All right, you guys are good. You can put the volume back up. Um, so I, I say that because you kind of lose a part of, of being a fan, really. You know, so for me, um, you know, I still love following all the Boston teams. It's going to be different because Tom Brady's not there anymore. You know, and these guys are younger than me. Um, so it's just like I don't – it's not the same. Um, 
but you build relationships, right? You know, you build relationships with a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., which helps even that much more the fact that he's playing in Boston. I want to see him do well. I want to see some of the guys that I've covered at South Carolina or at Clemson or a guy like Darius Leonard at SE State, the guys that you develop rapports with, stay in contact with, I want to see them do well, you know? So, um, and I know you can relate with that, with your teammates and some of the buddies that you've been able to build relationships with. So, um, big answer. Yeah, I'm still a Patriots fan, but I'm not the type of guy that's going to be, you know, I have a Brady jersey, but I mean, I don't wear really wear jerseys that often, you know? I mean, I think you hit a certain age where it's like, you know, <laughs> it's acceptable for certain moments, but I'm not going to be just, you know, going down to five points on a Tuesday wearing a Tom Brady jersey <laughs> in, in the middle of uh, May. No, I no, I asked because, I mean, I knew your, your analysis would be uh, being from there. Uh, I knew your analysis of the team would be spot on. You know, with that pick in particular, just be, I mean, golly, I just if there's one team that you can study like any fan of any sport can study when it comes to culture or, or, or building a program like you study, you study how the New England Patriots do things. And golly, you, there's nothing much to more to more to add to what Nick said, to what. To what you said, I mean, three fifty-eight to one. I mean that 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 stat right. speaks for itself. Uh, golly, and then you just look at the running backs that they've had over the past. He he literally fits right in first line of business. But first line of business, though. I, I mean, and now I have a reason to go back up to 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 Boston to get a lobster roll. Jesus, I cannot wait. Uh, Man, I I'm, I'm, I'm texting him asking for tickets. Very Legal soon. Team. I'll never forget when Stephon Gilmore came, I asked him, I said, what restaurant are you looking forward to the most? He's like, Legal Seafood. Oh, man. Like, Man, I said, Stephon, I said, we got to get you fixed. Though. I said, nothing wrong with Legal. I wanted to Legal. They got some good lobster rolls. Shout out to Legal Seafood. But, um, yeah, we'll get you back up there, Marcus. Oh, we'll get I can't you back wait. Up there, man. We'll I get cannot you wait. Go to a game. Go see my man, Kevin. And, you know, I, I I love the pick for all the reasons that you said, but golly, I mean, you you, you think like you th you just look at their room. It, it everything is that that's his team. Like that that's gonna that's gonna be his team for he a long time. You add the special teams element too. He doesn't have to be the guy. I think yes. that puts so much pressure off some of these players, right? Especially that some of those higher end picks. And you know, last week, Nick. Marcus, I, I told Marcus, I said, look, man, I said, I think the days of drafting running back in the first round, I think you were, you were hand bone if you do that. Um, you know, it's a waste of a pick. You can get a running back later, get some good value, bang for your buck. But I think it's a good pick. And speaking about Nick, it wasn't our Nick that got drafted, but a couple picks later, Nick Muse. If Nick got picked here, if, if our Nick got picked, I mean, I would have been, you know, saying, hey, man, best of luck to you. You have to leave the podcast. We understand as you get ready for minicamp. But, no, Nick is still with us. It is Nick Muse. I and, guys, I am, I am so happy for this young man, and here's why. I've been able to get to know Nick very well over the last couple of years. What I like about Nick the most is he has that injury in 2019 during his ACL. Comes back in 2020. He's never 100%. Just never 100%. And he admit that. Uh, he's admitted a couple of times. He, he told us last week in an interview with Gamecock Central, that's one of the reasons he came back this past season. But on top of that, he wanted to play special teams. Because he was injured, the old coaching staff's like, oh, we're just going to have you play tight end. He knew if he wanted to have a shot to play at the next level, 
he needed to excel on special teams, and he did that. And he showed great job blocking at tight end as well. And because of that, he got drafted in the seventh round. Um, he is a guy that took a lot of crap from some, not all, okay, from some Gamecock fans. Let's just call for what it is. Some, not all. And he put his head down. He could have easily said, you know what, screw it, new coach coming in, I'm going to go elsewhere. But he put his head down, and he played special teams. And I keep pointing to that because that is a player that Shane Beamer, Pete Lembo can point to saying, hey, you want to be playing in the NFL? You feel like you want to be able to raise your draft stock? Look at Nick Muse. Look at Nick Muse. He was pretty much at rock bottom. Mm. You know, He came back, put his head down, and he earned everything he got. I'm just, I'm very, very happy for him. Yeah, I mean – I I have met Nick, you know, not like we don't know each other super well, but I've met him, you know, downtown, different things. Great guy, um, you know, just a workhorse. Uh, I can't speak to anything too much on, you know, all the analysis of, um, you know, how he got drafted in the seventh round because I, I told Mike before this, I was a little surprised. I mean, of the Gamecocks, I thought that were going to get drafted. I didn't think – I thought Nick was definitely going to get signed. I didn't know – I didn't think he was going to get uh, – picked in the draft so i'm super excited for him and that's awesome um you know he's just a super hard worker very respectful good guy and like you said i mean he stuck he stuck with the gamecocks when he easily could have walked away gone somewhere else and you know that that should mean a lot to the fans here that should mean a lot to the you know probably meant a ton to his teammates to the coaches um so I mean, all I really have to say is just you know, just a great guy, and you know, I am happy for him. And you know, Gamecocks got another draft pick, so that was awesome to see. I like the word workhorse when when you describe Nick Muse, because I mean, that's when you look at his game, that's what it is. I mean, the dude's just blue collar. I mean, he's not afraid. He improved in his blocking as so the years much. went on as oh. well. I mean, I, he had. Two pretty good coaches, you know, to to coach him up on his technique, you know, and Eric Camry and Coach Cox. But I mean, it's uh, you you could see the improvement. Like I mean, w- whenever we had an outside run or a run come to his side, I mean, he re- I don't he rarely got called and holding. It was always good technique. I, I just I, I'd love to see a tight end who not who is not only a great pass catcher, he has great hands. Like he catches away from his body. Um, and he has great hands and he's a big body doing that. But for him to put his nose in there, like to, to sit like that, that's in, I, I see that in Minnesota. Like I, I see how that fits in his type of game, particularly, you know, with how, how they like to run the ball, you know, and it, it's, it's a really good fit for him. I, I, I believe. And I, I think, that there'll be an opportunity for him to get, to get on the field simply because he has that 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 want to when it comes to sticking your nose into somebody's chest and putting your hands and into it and 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 grinding somebody. I mean, I, I just I, I really admire tight ends who do that. And every time I was around him, I mean, he was always he was a he's a he he yearns for learning. Like he he wants to know more. Like he's you mentioned the word respectful, Nick. Very respectful. Very good listener. Hmm. Very, very good listener. Coachable. Um, all those, all those qualities that kind of get 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 thrown by the wayside sometime when there's talent. 
uh, he has all of those intangibles. So I'm, ex- I'm truly, truly happy for him, excited for him. Like you said, great man, great individual. Yeah, and earlier on, I mean, we talked about Mike was saying the red flags and, you know, weaknesses, and then also talked about how, you know, Nick Muse has taken some crap from Gamecock fans and non-Gamecock fans alike. But kind of what I wanted to say into that, which works right here with Nick Muse, is the ability to take the criticisms and coaches telling you your weakness and scouts telling them their weaknesses and taking that and not getting down and being like, oh, I'm bad at this, I'm bad at that, or in getting down on yourself, but taking it and learning Mm -hmm. and learning from it and getting better from it. I mean, just to put it into kind of a perspective for like me and Mike, like Mike, how many times have you sent work when you were younger, sent work to people and I send my play-by-play work to people. And all you do is you get a list back of things you need to do better, things you need to that's get what better you want. That's what you want. Exactly. And I told someone, I, told, I would tell that's people. What, that's what some people want, Mike. This is, yeah, this is, this is how, and this is how I always went about it when I got into broadcasting. I'd send it, and I would tell them straight up, I'm like, hey, look, I want you to be the biggest prick in the world when you break down my stuff. I want you to be an asshole. I can take it, Okay. And I think, you know, for for me personally, having the background with football, I'm used to it. Because if a coach wasn't yelling at me, then I'd be like, is something wrong? You know, you're always told if a coach stops coaching you up, that's when there's an issue. So for me, I wanted people to be as ruthless as possible. Um, Yeah. You know, is is it always great hearing that stuff? No. Yeah. But 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 Mike, Mike, that's what you see. You got to understand that's a rare mindset that that, the, the average the average person isn't ready to, to, to receive that type of criticism mm-hmm. or, 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 but because they identify that with themselves, you know, so it, it's, you know, Muschamp would always say critique the, the play, not the person mm-hmm. critique the play, not the person. Well, if you're not used to that type of uh, feedback, I mean, that can damage a person's self-esteem. Like, that can damage a human being. Oh, yeah. When I first started, I mean, I remember, same thing, Mike. I remember I messaged them, you know, I would send my work to play-by-play guys who are currently in the industry and are pretty successful. And they would send me back, they're like, I'm going to be harsh. I want you to know that. Like, Mm. I'm going to be hard on you because I want you to know what you need to do to get better. And I was like, perfect. But when you first do that, when that first happens, it hits you. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. it, it hurts a little You're bit. Looking at some of that stuff, and you could be like, you know, wait a minute. And, and, and I think it's you can apply this to anything, right? You could apply this yeah. to football. You could apply this to basketball. You could apply this to you know Johnny that works at Verizon and the way he goes about his reports. I mean, right? I mean, there's anything in life. So no, I I agree with you, Nick. Um, and, and I, th- I think, but, but you know, at the same time, Mike, I think it's taking the easy way out. You know, for that mentor, for that mentor to just say, oh yeah, good job, or you know, like just throw it by the wayside, Crazy. or just give Crazy. you just give you a nice comment, just to yep. just to keep your ego up. I mean, I just think that's them being lazy and inconsiderate. Yeah, yeah. This, in, in this topic that we're talking about right now, this is something that we could get much further in on another episode because the reality is too right. We talk about just the generation, and I say that loosely because it's not like you know. I mean, there, there might be some players that never have used a payphone before, but, you know, mm-hmm. that's all right. Um, or have never had to get off the couch to, to change the TV, you know, back in my day, back in me and Marcus's day. But my <laughs> point being is, you know, there is a new generation. And, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, NIL, you talk about all that kind of stuff. 
it does have an impact um, on how you go about talking with these guys and then how social media is telling them how great they are and, you know, how does that impact their coaching? I think it's more of a psychological conversation. Um, I do want to get into the the free agents, but um, I want to ask Marcus while we still have him. Marcus, these guys that are getting drafted, the undrafted free agents as well, the ones that will be invited to minicamp, what is that like? What is this like from the time that you find out that you sign with the team leading up to – the mini, the rookie mini camps, the OTAs. What are you doing right now? Because for some of these guys, they're not going to be with their team right now. You know, I mean, they might have to go through, take the physicals, all that kind of stuff. But from a training standpoint, they might be staying at their university. They might be working out with the guy that they've been training with throughout the entire NFL process. Can you kind of just explain to us what that looks like behind the scenes? Yeah, it's kind of a weird period. It really is because – you, you find out where you're going. And then, so you got all of these great emotions. You're excited. You're, everybody's texting you for the, you know, for the next couple of days. You got hundreds of texts. All of these emotion, great emotions that you're experiencing. But you're not leaving yet. <laughs> so, so now you just, you, you, you know, you're in this place where. I mean, I think I had about 11 days and those in those 11 days were spent, I mean, probably doing things I shouldn't have been doing. But I mean, it was just a limbo state like it's just OK. What? All right. What, what do I do for the next 11 days of my life? That's just it's, it's just free time. You know, you, you find out and then, you know, you got the three day rookie minicamp. Then after the three day rookie minicamp, so you get another break. So now you get two weeks off until OTAs and then OTAs only last three weeks. And then you get, a, it's like another break of two weeks after that um, until meant until training camp, actual training camp happens at, you know, end of July, early August. So it's, it's just a, you really have to be flexible. Like, and you have to find time to take care of yourself. Uh, you know, and then in the midst of that, you're receiving your signing bonus. And to those, you know, in some situations, y'all probably heard this being undrafted is almost better than being taken in the seventh Mm -hmm. round. Yeah, because you can negotiate. Yep. You can negotiate what you want in your signing bonus. And, you know, a lot of my friends have been through that process. And some of them got more money being undrafted than they did going in the seventh round. So, and you, you can... Look at the depth charts and everything. Figure it, out where it's yes. just a situation. Three teams want me. Nick and I were talking about this off air before you hopped on. I mean, here the Patriots, Bengals, Rams, and you're a safety. I'm making this up. And, you know, fingers crossed that by the time this thing drops that Jalen Foster will have a home. But, I mean, you might be looking at it. How many safeties are there? All right, what's the best situation for me to go to? Why would I go to a place that there might be six safeties already compared to mm. the place where there's three? All right, now it's time to talk about the undrafted free agents and the guys that are going to minicamp. Marcus had to go to the dentist, but he'll be coming back shortly and uh, be able to give us some of his thoughts for Ask Marcus Lattimore Anything. So be sure to stick around for that. But, Nick, one of the guys that was the first to be signed as an undrafted free agent was Jabari Ellis. And I I thought Jabari was a guy that had an opportunity to maybe, just maybe, sneak in late 
in the seventh round because what he was able to do from a production standpoint at South Carolina this past year was just absolutely incredible. Over 40 tackles, five tackles for a loss, two fumble recoveries. But what I really like about Jabari is that for a big guy, a guy of that size, he freaking moves quick, man. I mean, just to give you an idea, right? Jabari's six foot two, 278 pounds. He ran of the four seven range for his 40 on pro day. Just an absolute freak. No, he's, he, he is a beast. I mean, I agree. I thought he could have, you know, been picked in the later rounds, but I mean, we talked about this earlier with Marcus kind of the bonuses of being that undrafted free agent. I mean, I know I saw a tweet uh, from Will Compton and if you enjoy football podcasts, you definitely know who Will Compton is. Um, he was dra- he was undrafted in 2013. 26 linebackers were drafted in that draft. He's outlasted 22 of them. Being an undrafted free, uh, signee after college. So, I mean, they have those benefits. So, I'm really happy. I'm really happy he went to the Giants. I think that's um, going to be exciting for him going to New York. I mean, the Jets and the Giants definitely need the help. And uh, hopefully he can be a part of those teams to turn it around. But, I mean, you watched him all year. And, you know, some of these, you know, NFL scouts can't see everything. I think they Mm -hmm. try to and they almost do. But they can't see everything. And I think he... um, you know, with someone, especially when you're going to scout South Carolina and you're looking at Inigbare, that's kind of who you're focusing on. And then you got Jabari Ellis, who's just also a beast. Um, he might have gotten overshadowed a little bit, especially from where Inigbare was expected to be drafted. So definitely happy he got signed. I think he could have been picked up in a later round, but a great pickup for the Giants. Yeah, one of the things that Jabari told me yesterday, just a quick little quote here. He told me, uh, quote, this means everything to me. The Giants are getting a special player on and off the field. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And um, he's just a good person. He's a good human being. He's going to work his tail off. I think that's a good situation for him being up in New York. Now, not too long after that, not too long after that, so Quandre White signs an undrafted free agent in his home, basically his hometown team. Uh, Because he grew up about just over two hours away from where the Miami Dolphins play, growing up in Cape Coral. Uh, He has a chance now to go down there. And what I like about Zaquandre is this. He can make an impact on special teams. His journey just to get to this point is freaking crazy. I mean, right? He goes to Florida State, plays linebacker, but he wants to play running back. So he goes to a junior college school, transfers into South Carolina, doesn't really get the burn time that he's looking for, right? But what really helped him and what helped separate himself was what he did in the spring game a year ago. And that really gave him a tremendous opportunity. That and the fact that a new coaching staff came in and he was able to impress them right away. So he does that. So much hype around this guy. He goes a whole month without playing running back for the Gamecocks. But when he does come back, there was moments where he he just flashed. Um, going back to everything that we were talking about before with some of the red flags. And I think if you followed the Gamecocks this year and you watch the way Zaquandre plays, you know exactly what we're talking about here. And it goes back to what we were talking about with, before with Marcus. Sometimes, you know, the hard, the, the, what, the, the hard truth, you, you need that, right? You need to be truthful. Mm-hmm. 
the red flags they have for Zaquandre is that he doesn't always hit the hole where the play is designed to go and that he kind of gets off track from the, the running lanes, right? Um, he's a wild card. That mm-hmm. does not mean he's playing back, backyard football. But I think the thing with Zaquandre is he is a guy that can make a difference with the ball in his hands. Um, I actually thought going into the draft that if you asked me, who would I would would have taken Zaquandre White or um, Harris? I would have said White just because I feel like he brings more to the table. Now, I know I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth now when I say this. For the Patriots, I think it's perfect. I think Kevin Harris is as good of a fit there as, as could be. That's not to say Zaquandre couldn't be successful in New England, but I just think uh, Harris is is a better fit for what they are looking for and how they play their football up there. So. Um, the Quandre into Miami, man, he's going to have a good opportunity to be able to, to make an impact. He certainly will have to make an impact though on special teams as well. Mike, I fully agree. I thought Zaquandre was going to go before, uh, Kevin. I fully thought that I just, the word that comes to mind when you think of Zaquandre white is playmaker. Yeah. I mean, he just makes things happen. His speed, his explosiveness. It's fun to watch. You if you watched him during the Auburn game, what he was able to do, um, huge reason they won that game. I mean, he's a playmaker, and you're right. I mean, when you list his weaknesses, I'm not in like I can see why they say that because you're right. He doesn't always, you know, do the exact thing. He's a little bit of a wild card, but I mean, sometimes that ability to be a wild card results in him making a crazy play that you never even expected. And so I definitely think he's going to be an exciting player in the NFL because he was an exciting player in college because you just you knew at any point, at any moment, he could break off and go for a huge touchdown or a big gain or some or a big first down. Um, so, I mean, he's just a playmaker, and I think he's going to continue that at the next level. And like I said before, the fact that he went a whole month without playing running back, that's going to be a question I'm sure that he was asked throughout the entire draft process to every team that he spoke to. I'd be shocked if that was not a question that was brought up. You know, what I remember from that time period is he handled his business like a professional. Um, was he happy with the situation? Certainly not. But he went out there every day of practice. He still was making an impact on special teams. and Eventually, he was back playing running back. So, could that have been a red flag for teams? Maybe. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he has his opportunity. He has yeah. his opportunity. He's going to be able to prove himself. Um, a couple other guys, and we're taping this on Sunday afternoon. So I point that out because a lot of things can change by the time you listen to this, whether you listen to this on Monday morning, Tuesday, whatever. But in addition to undrafted free agents, who we're also going to see is guys get invites to mini camps. And from there, they're going to have an opportunity to be signed as an undrafted free agent. It's, it happens. It's, you know, the journey could be a little bit more of an uphill battle, but it's not uncommon for a guy to go to mini camp, ball out, and then be able to get an opportunity to go to camp with the team. So I say all that because as of right now, this is, all, this is what we have. These are the guys, the three draftees, and then the two undrafted free agents that we mentioned for South Carolina. I can tell you, though, and I don't want to say his name right now. I alluded to it earlier on in the the program. Um, I know of one Gamecock who is 
playing the numbers game right now um, and was invited to a mini camp with an NFL team. Um, I was asked to hold off on that until later on and until I get permission for him to, to go with it because they're just kind of waiting things out because it could change, you know, depending on a situation from a de- another team if it's a better fit for them. So um, hopefully by the time this thing drops, that that player will be with a team. And I think it will kind of go without saying who it is based on what they say um, and when, when that is reported. Um, but we're going to have to wait and see for a couple of these guys. There's a couple guys out there still looking to be able to get picked up. Uh, but Gamecock Central will keep you posted. And if you missed any of it, if you are if you are a subscriber, you know you can be able to get the access to, to see everything. If you're not, sign on up. Get a nice seven-day free trial. little plug right there for Gamecock Central. All right, Marcus, are the questions of the week on Gamecock Central. Thank you to the subscribers that have reached out. I'm going to try to make sure I pronounce some of these names right. Uh, Skatchmo81. Marcus, how do you feel about silent commitments that drag out over months? Does it help or hurt our recruiting with other top recruits not seeing who is committed early here? Oh, that's an interesting question. Silent commits mm. that drag out. The pro- I mean, Tank Biz- Bigsby was silently committed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that, you know, if you use that example, I mean, did it help us? Did it hurt us? I mean, heck, he, I think he kind of helped us, you know, when he was because when he was on visits, he was saying, y'all, I mean, there there was a lot of guys that it's a it's weird. It's it's, it's weird. I mean, sword. yeah, it's you try, I mean, sword. trying to step into a 17 year old brain yeah. is just like it's just a weird, weird thing, because, I mean, he's. And then then again, he's getting pulled in a thousand different directions, trying to process everything he doesn't he really does. Do you really know at that age? If if somebody you don't know, um, the big time th- commitment to me, it doesn't really make that big of a deal because you know I get it. Okay, Johnny Five Star makes a commitment. All right, ooh, Johnny's going there. I want to go. But at the same time, too, if it's a silent, or I mean, he comes out and it's like a three or four, whatever, another running back might be like, oh wait a minute, they have another running back. I'm not even going to look at South Carolina. So right. I, that's how I take it. Yeah, it's it's a that's a hard question to answer. I don't know. I mean, I think the way Mike takes it is kind of the right way because I even remember when I was getting recruited for lacrosse, the first thing I did was look at their goalie situation. I was a goalie in lacrosse. I looked at their goalie situation. I looked at the commitment list, saw if they had any other committed goalies Mm -hmm. because, you know, I didn't want to go in a situation where I'm battling with another freshman and, you know, it's going to end with one of us transferring and those types of things. And so, like, I could only imagine that's what, they're looking at i mean they're looking at where they can go and succeed early and if you got a highly touted recruit already silently committed you know you're probably going to look the other way a little bit yeah marcus this next question i mean these questions are just they're 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 not uh they're not messing around the gloves are off today um this is uh kevin chalk 50 you know, what does Marcus think about the lax transfer portal rules in today's game compared to when he played? Is he in wow. favor of it? Does he think there needs to be some stronger guidelines? Also, does he what does he feel about NIL? And would that have affected his commitment to South Carolina if NIL would have been around with when he was being recruited? We could have a whole we could have a whole episode on that one. You could question. just touch the surface on that for right now. We don't have to get super super deep with it because, like Nick said, we could probably have a whole episode on this. Yeah, uh, man. 
South Carolina or Clemson probably would have been the best choice, you know, in in terms of NIL. Um, what do I think about the transfer portal? <laughs> I don't. I mean, college football has changed forever. Is good I mean, and bad, good and bad just so much gray. It's 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 changed. It, it will no longer be college football. After a year of this as normal, college football will look different. It's gonna it's gonna look completely different. That's yeah. all. I, I mean, that's all I can really say about it. I, I, I mean, you can go to the argument. Yeah, coaches go wherever they want to go. Yeah, and now the players are able to do that. So now yeah. things are just about to be weird i don't know y'all have an opinion on it yeah i mean i'm gonna give and i'm i'm saying this i don't know it might be wrong but i'm giving my complete college kid answer of this is the fact of i think i think it's great in the way that in my opinion i mean these kids are you know they're their own person they're they are going to schools they want to go to. And if they're not in the right place, they get the option to leave and go somewhere else and play somewhere else, which in my head, and like I said, this could be just me being a kid in college, but like they should be able to go where they want to go. They should be able to do what they want to do. That's going to make them the most happy, not get stuck in some crappy situation or, you know, who knows what I think there Mm -hmm. are pros and cons to everything. So yes, there is, you know, the issues with it being like just a giant free agency when you get to the higher levels with, you know, the cream of the crop of players and schools. But I mean, I think bottom line, you got to let these kids do what's going to be best for them and what's going to make them happy in the long run. And I think, so I think it's good in that aspect. I'll say this about it because you, you, you sparked something when you were talking, Nick, you, 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 are going to learn whether you stay or whether you leave. You're going to learn something about yourself. You're going to learn something about the people that were giving you advice. Um, it is what, well, all right. So I'll use the example of Caleb Williams going to USC. He was in a great situation at Oklahoma. You know, maybe he came there with, it's just going to get weird as hell. I mean, because when coaches leave that recruited these kids, the kids are going to they're going to want to follow where the coach, the coach that recruited them. I mean, it's just going to create a lot of a lot of issues and a, and a lot of a lot of good situations. Like you said, a lot of good, a lot of bad. But college football will no longer be college football. No. That's just that's just what it is. So. And here's the issue. When you talk about the transfer portal, before you even dig deep into the transfer portal, you have to talk about NIL first. They go mm. together. They go together hand in hand. hand and that's hand. the reason why I say that, say that, because the reality is, is this. You're not going to be able to police NIL the way that many fans, many coaches, many media members, whoever, would like for it to be policed. It's just not. The toothpaste is out of the tube. It, you're not going to be able to get it back in. There's a lot of good with NIL, but there's a lot of bad. And I mentioned the NIL first because when you talk about the transfer portal, that is the stuff I'm talking about. 
the good of the transfer portal, the good of allowing a student athlete the ability to transfer freely and go to another school and not have to sit out a year, that's great. But because of NIL, it allows it to become free agency. And that's what we're seeing right now. That's where it's scary. So I, I feel like, how do you regulate this? How do you fix some of that gray area? Well, unfortunately, you're probably going to have to change something up with the transfer portal because you're not going to be able to contain the NIL. You just can't. The parameter, there's just no way. It's just not going to be able to happen because as soon as you do that, you're putting parameters on. Supreme Court comes back in again. They're talking about, wait a minute, you know, they should be able to make money. It's just not going to happen. So I feel like what's going to unfortunately happen is players that have been taking advantage of the transfer portal the proper way, the Carlins Patels of the world, people that have just gone, granted, that's not the best situation. He was a grad transfer, but the guys that do want to transfer for whatever reason, mom and dad might be sick, whatever, right? When because transfer portal, I think is going to have to change. I think you might have to go back to the old ways. Um, Mike, I, I mean, I, I heard a little bit from what you were saying was that it's as simple as this cash rules everything around me. It does. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that that's what I would like to see happen in terms of the transfer portal going away. But if you have to look at those two things and you know, one's not going anywhere, which is NIL and you want to try to regulate something and take away some of the, the bad that is happening with college sports, which is the reality of free agency you have to take away something. And at least the transfer portal is something that the NCAA can control. It's unfortunate, but that's how I look at it. And, and again, we'll probably dig much deeper on this another mm. day. Um, here's a question for Marcus. This is Hopkins Cock 56. How important is the relationship between a college football player and his positional po coach as opposed to this head coach? Thank you, Marcus. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, both are important. You know, I mean, they're both, they're they're both. And I mean, the strength coach. I mean, you can you can add that to the equation: the strength coach, the head coach, the position coach. I mean, I I I don't know why, but I always enjoyed it when I got a compliment from a coach I didn't I wasn't coached by. Uh, I mean, just the linebacker coach, you know, telling me I'm doing a good job in, in blocking his linebackers. Uh, that uh, Specifically to your question, I mean, you spend more time with your position coach. Uh, he's the one that's helping you build your skills and training and perfect you know, it, you know, always trying to perfect your craft and get better. Um, your position coach should be a teacher, a mentor. He should be somebody that you can go to uh, with any with, with with any situation, not just on the field. Um, your but your head coach, your head coach should be that person too. You know, I mean, I think that I think it's the head head coach's main. The, I think that the main job of a head coach. Is to make sure the well-being of each one of his players is at a good spot. So not not even checking in about what's going on on the field. Your position coach has to worry about what's going on the field, but the head coach, he doesn't have a position usually. So where should his priorities lie in, in, in the 
in in the mind of that young person um what a great question like re- like for real what a great question i mean i i i'd say the head coach you know simply because that that's the one who should be checking in where you are mentally mm-hmm. Well, shout out to HopkinsCock56, who has been a subscriber to Gamecock Central since 2001, August 21st of 2001. So shout out to That's him awesome. or her. Uh, I, I Last one, and then Nick, you can get in on this one too. A little bit more lighthearted, but uh, it, it could cause some issues because some people will probably get upset. That's all right. That's the world we live in. Marcus and Nick, Zestos or Rushes, and then the best food on or near campus Thank you for being a Gamecock and making us proud to support you. You're welcome in my foxhole anytime. That is Wild Bunch 2. Wild Bunch. You 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 uh you about to draw a divide in Columbia with this one. Marcus isn't going to be allowed to be um, places. I mean, both both of them have great dessert. Both Are you going to give the Shane Beamer PC answer? And I, and I joke about that because um, <laughs> I feel like anytime Shane, Shane, Shane's a smart man. <laughs> Anytime he's been asked about food, he knows better. He doesn't even if there's a possibility, he stays the hell away from it. So I get credit. He's he's smart about that. Zestos or rushes? Yeah, I don't know. Jeez. I'll say this: I had rushes for the first time after about five and a half years, about a month ago. It was good. I like zestos though. I haven't had the wings yet. I know. That disappoints a lot of people because they're just like, how haven't you had the wings? I've only had the burger. Good milkshake. Well, well, that's the thing. I think I'm going to – I'll go – to give an answer, mm. just – Here we go. I'll, I'll go Zesto's. Uh-oh. Just because I'm a huge – you know, I'm a huge wings guy, and then they just asked what other restaurants, and I've said before I love Peebles because it's like this little, you know, hole in the wall. It looks like Ooh. it's nothing. Uh, the one at least on Rosewood, they have more. But I got one down uh, in the Vista now. Yeah, exactly. They have yeah. one in the Vista now, but the one on Peebles is just like this little shack, and then you go in, and it's got great wings, and I'm a huge wings person. So mm. I'll say I'll give, I'll give it to Zesto's just to give an answer, and then Peebles is one of my favorite places to go in Columbia. Mm. I got a dog. Damn, Nick. Now I got an answer. Um, <laughs> I got to say Zestos. I, say it a little say Marcus, those. can you say that louder? Into go Zestos. Go Zestos. Near campus uh, restaurant. Uh, Stoner's Pizza for unknown reasons. I don't know why. Mm. Stoner's mm. Pizza is pretty good. I tell you what, I mean, I, I haven't given Rush Rushes enough opportunities. So right now I would say Zesto's, but I don't know if I can fairly answer that only going to Rushes once. So Uh-oh. I'll go back. We got three for Zesto's. Well, I was about to say that's a, believe, that's a believe in South Carolina clean sweep. Um, <laughs> but I will I will say this though. I mean, the the the, the correct answer is either Bojangles or or Village. <laughs> <laughs> I You're say a this. smart I, man, Mike. I, Mike I, is I, a I, smart I would man. love. I would love, and I don't know who I need to talk to. I might have to Food give Jose. Comes up too much on this podcast. We're gonna have to line up like some, we're gonna have to line up something. I'll have to. I'll have to talk with my man Jose um, over uh, uh, Mario, who's the um, CEO of Bojangles. I'm gonna have to give him a shout 
and say, what do I need to do to be able to open a Bojangles up on campus? Come you on, know, can you imagine? I mean, then you talk Come about on. NIL, shoot, we'll be able to feed everyone's like, you know, grandparents. We'll be able to take care of them NIL wise. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll take care of the whole family, you know, and make me a franchisee owner of a Bojangles on campus. Shoot. Mm, everyone be it. eating good. Everyone I be eating it. good in the neighborhood. I don't know if I can say that. I think that's a slogan for another place, but um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's my answer. Um, well, that will do it for Ask Marcus Lattimore, anything, and as well as our good man Nick as well. And that will also do it for this week's episode of Believe in South Carolina. If you haven't already, if you're on iTunes, be sure to leave us a nice five-star review and give some comments too. Share with your buddy, tell your aunt, tell your uncle, whoever, you know. Tell them about Believe in South Carolina. And if you are interested in sponsoring this podcast, reach out to us as well. You can find uh, my email by just shooting me a DM at Mike underscore UVA. We'll get you situated on that. We'll get you all the data you need, all those numbers, all that fun stuff. So, guys, uh, appreciate you listening. We'll do it again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.